Hello, welcome to another episode of the Scarlet Nation podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Curtis Conan, joined by Bobby Darren, as today we are taking you through uh, the signing period of the uh, 2024 uh, basketball recruiting class. Uh, we have, uh, as we're recording this, one signing already in the books with Bryce Dorch, uh, another one coming up uh, uh, on Thursday with uh, Dylan Grant, and then um, you know Ace Bailey, Lathan Somerville coming up. Ace Bailey on Saturday night, Lathan Somerville next Wednesday. So uh, that class uh, is in the process of getting signed up as is. Uh, so a lot to talk about there, and we'll also get into a little more of uh, this year's basketball team, recapping the loss of Princeton, giving you a look at what maybe is to come uh, for the Scarlet Knights. But I'm joined by Bobby Darren, uh, as we've got a lot to talk about, Bobby, but we have to lead it off with this recruiting class. Uh, on track to be the highest ranked in Rutgers program history uh, and really an opportunity to take this program to the next level. And it all starts with uh, the signing of Bryce Dorch today. And, you know, Chris, I've been a part of a lot of these uh, classes signing, you know, uh, since I started covering the team. And never before has it been this spread out into, you know, one signing the first day, then the next one and, and the next one. But that's what you get when you get these these players. You know, they're getting much higher ranked players than than what, you know, Rutgers has been accustomed to getting in the past. So you, you see it spread out a little more. I, I don't foresee any drama coming through. Everything we're hearing is all four of those players are going to sign. Um, you know, Dylan Grant delayed it a day. His birthday is is Thursday. So um, wanting to sign on his birthday, that should that letter of intent should be in later today. Um, then you have Ace Bailey wants to sign after his first game. Now, the game is at 830, Chris, down in Atlanta. So if he wants to sign after uh, it, it'll be a later night. So uh, but don't fret. We'll, we'll, we'll have every every bit of coverage uh, up to date the moment he signs, the moment it gets in. And, and we'll continue to have uh, extensive coverage of Rutgers basketball during this early signing period. Lathan Somerville going to be the last one, but um, really a lock to come to Rutgers. And um, number eight class in the country, Chris, you're looking today and you're seeing all these national articles with Rutgers mentions. I, that has not been something we've we've been used to doing on these signing days. You know, um, the coverage is, is 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 helped out because of that because there's so much attention and and so much national attention and and um th- this class could really go down to be uh, one for the books. Yeah, and I think that is really the most uh, important takeaway for me is you know Rutgers has had some talented. Uh, recruits in in the recent past you know you look at you know gavin griffith's coming in this year cliff amore in 2020 uh and so on uh, but this is the first time you've really seen rutgers pulling in or, or about to pull in multiple uh recruits of that caliber in one class and oh by the way dylan harper still very much um you know in the mix uh for rutgers to pick him up as well and really have this class cement itself as one of the best in the country uh in in uh, the class of 2024 um, but you know, it, it, it really is a monumental class because you're bringing in all this talent together at the same time. Uh, it's got an opportunity to gel and, you know, you've also got, you know, some talented players currently on this team. They'll be back next year. Uh, you know, like a Gavin Griffiths, for instance. Um, so the potential is there for this to really be a springboard to sort of take Rutgers basketball to the next level, moving forward, uh, beyond the success that the program's already had in recent years. And I think as a Rutgers fan, you really can't be more excited uh, about where this program is headed uh, in the future. And, 
you know, and with Dylan Harper too, you know, everything we're hearing is still, you know, Rutgers is still the team there. And, and it's a question of just when it seems like now, but you know, he's let this thing play out. So I wouldn't be surprised if he lets it play out a little longer. Um, you know, nothing would surprise me in terms of an announcement, but I would expect a bigger ordeal, not just something that spur of the moment. Hey, it happens. You know, I, I would expect to build up to it. But, uh, you know, Rutgers is is really left standing there. You know, these other teams have kind of, you know, said, all right, you know, we know he's he's probably going to go there and that they're not pressing as hard. Um, so it, it's it's really a good time. And, and, you know, this builds a lot of excitement because this year you lose a lot of players on the team, Chris. And, and it's more of a uh, I don't want to say rebuilding year, but I, I don't think that, you know, fans are going to see the same type of teams they're used to. But all of the sudden, you have some guys coming in who could be one and dones. And, you know, I remember the last time a player got drafted, I had to stay up. Hamidi Njai got drafted late in, in, I believe it was 2010 or 9 draft. Don't even quote me. Um, but I had to stay up late and talk to him around like 1 o'clock in the morning because he was like one of the last players drafted. Wrote that story at that time. And, um, you know, great kid, too. It was real nice to see him get drafted. But it's been a long time. And you're talking about bringing in guys who could be lottery picks. I mean, this is this is like unprecedented. So you got he's Bailey in there and, and, and potentially Dylan Harper. I, I don't want to get too much into him because he's not one of the guys who's committed right now. But even with Ace Bailey, you're looking at a guy who could be a one and done potential, you know, lottery pick. So that's something that can really uh, bolster a program's uh, reputation or recruiting prowess, all the above. And, um, you know, not to mention it, it, the kid will be fun to watch for a year. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you see Rutgers, you look at the visitor list that Rutgers has had already with some of these uh, recruits already, you know, guys like Trey McKinney, um, you know, some four stars like a Nigel James, uh, for instance, uh, you know, Darius Acuff uh, is scheduled to visit, you know, along with Kentucky Rutgers uh, in February. So, um, you know, th there are guys down the line that I think are going to look at Rutgers more seriously at the very least, even if they don't end up committing. Um, you know, as a serious destination, if you're a top end basketball player, because you've now got a program that has proven that, OK, you can win at Rutgers and you can be an NCAA tournament team at Rutgers. And that is something that, you know, in the not too recent past or not too distant past, I should say, um, you know, that wasn't a given at all that Rutgers would be able to get to the point that it's at now. Um, and you have that proof of concept. You've also got the proof of concept that, hey, this is a staff that can really bring in high end basketball talent. You know, that says to the next group of uh, highly ranked players, hey, Rutgers could be a potential destination for me. Uh, and I think that impact, even more so than necessarily what Ace Bailey and, and company do on the court, as important as that is, I think that is really going to be the important uh, long term takeaway uh, moving forward. Um, so I think that is really the exciting aspect of this. And let's not forget, you know, we talk about Ace Bailey as being a, a likely one and done. You know, guys like Bryce Storch, Lathan Somerville, very good basketball players, probably not one and done's. So I think that uh, having that foundation as well to build on, even after someone like an Ace Bailey moves on, uh, I think that's going to be monumentally important to not just getting Rutgers to that next level, but keeping it there. And you know what else you're going to see with a lot of these guys? They're not is they're not going to be one-dimensional players. They're going to be the versatile guys that can do different things. 
And um, it's really going to allow the coaching staff to to do a lot more, to to play a different style. And it'll really make it more exciting for fans because, you know, in the past, maybe you're clamoring for a guy to do one thing and well, one thing well. But, you know, you're bringing in such a unique mix of players that it's really going to be different watching it because they're going to be capable of so much more. The ceiling's going to be higher. And, and from this year, this season to next season, you know, you're going to see that the ceiling just elevate uh, tremendously. Yeah, definitely. And I think that is really the exciting uh, thing here. And this is a Rutgers team that will be bringing in talent that will allow it to really play, diff- like you said, a different style of basketball a bit more, um, you know, even more so. We're starting to see Rutgers look a little bit more on tempo. It's, I think, a more athletic team. Uh, I know the result against Princeton didn't go the way that Rutgers would have wanted, of course, but I, I still think that that prognosis is the case. Um, but you know, you're right. The, having that talent allows you to do things that you simply can't necessarily do uh, with the group of talent that Rutgers has, has recently. And, and I think that that is going to be an, an interesting thing to watch moving forward. And as that success ideally comes for Rutgers, uh, you're just going to see the perception of the program build even more. If Rutgers is, you know, consistently in the top 25 is consistently in these highly ranked nationally televised matched up matchups. I think that's going to be a huge benefit uh, for Rutgers moving forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, Steve Peichel has done a tremendous job in, in all facets and, and he's really putting a recruiting game together now, and and they're they're getting on these big time guys. It's almost like if a three star visits, you're like, wait a minute, what's a three star doing visiting? You know, they got these five and four stars in there. What are these guys mixed in here for? So, um, you just see a huge change. I mean, because you think about the players he had to bring in first, he had to, he was resorted to looking for under the radar guys, and now these guys are way over the radar, and he's getting them. Yeah, and I think that is really going to be the interesting thing to watch is, you know, how sustainable does that recruiting success be? But if you look at the visitor list that the uh, Rutgers had in the fall and moving forward, I think that that's going to be uh, really the interesting thing to watch is just what does Rutgers recruiting momentum look like going forward? Um, So I think that really is going to be something to watch as this class continues to sign in. Uh, You know, this time next week, all four of the current commits will be signed. And then it becomes really you know, assuming nothing happens between now and then, uh, Dylan Harper watch just to see if, if the class rounds out with him joining the Scarlet Knights. Um, on that note, I uh, do want to switch gears a little bit, talk about uh, this year's team, Scarlet Knights playing down in Trenton uh, at the Jersey Jam, and Scarlet Knights ultimately not able to get uh, the opening night win, 68-61 loss to Princeton. Princeton, a very good Ivy League team coming off the Sweet 16 appearance. And the Scarlet Knights just, you know, being there, Bobby, I kind of got the sense from the get-go, you know, Rutgers allows a 12-4 run early on. It just seemed like something was off uh, with uh, Rutgers. I don't know if it was necessarily you have, you know, new players coming in. There are a lot of different factors coming in, Um, you know, early season games. um, You know, you're you're still, I think, to a certain point, trying to figure out what your team is and, and stuff like that. Um, but it just, I just got the sense watching the game and being there that Rutgers just seemed a bit off. And, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you made of that. You know, it's, uh, you know, I thought, you know, you know, Cliff's going to be what Cliff is. And I thought Anton Wolfolk really upped his game. But the guard play was lacking. But w- when you look at it, it's not overly surprising because who do you lose from last year's team? You lose Paul Mulcahy, who kind of was like the floor general, a big guy. You know, you, you saw what he's capable of doing. Cam Spencer was a sharpshooter, you know, team leader in points last year, tied with Cliff. And, 
you know, you lose those two guys. You lose Caleb McConnell, who could bring the ball up if he needed to at times, and then you replace them. You know, you don't have the same caliber player. I think the best addition they had this offseason is not playing in Jeremiah Williams. I mean, he's a big point guard who can really play, he can play defense. He, he, he's good offensively. I mean, he can, he's a tough guard. He's a big guy. And I think next year he's really going to help this team it would, with, you know, going back to the, to the t- guys we talked about coming in, in the class of 2024, you add Jeremiah Williams in there and that's a different story. So I think this year they really missed that addition. Um, you know, the, the, the replacements, the guys that have come in, they're just, you know, they're not where, Paul Mulcahy, Cam Spencer, and Caleb McConnell were. So to expect the same results is kind of, you know, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there because they, they they lost a lot and it's going to be a work in progress. And, you know, Pike scheduled some softies in the out of conference. And I think that's a good thing because you're going to need these guys to get some time to gel, to get a feel for things. Because as you saw the other night, the the guard play just wasn't very good. And it's going to have to be a lot better if Rutgers wants to make any type of noise this season. And the finishing at the rim also, I, I think, needs to be better, too. I think that was another area where I think Rutgers struggled and, and just controlling the paint. Um, I mean, we know what Cliff uh, Morey can do, um, but it's a question of, you know, what does Rutgers look like beyond that? I did think Antoine Wolfolk, when he came into the game, provided a nice spark. Um, you know, I think that that was a bright spot, too. And I do think, you know, to go back to your point on the backcourt, um, you know, I do think this backcourt will have much better nights than it showed last, uh, on Monday against Princeton. Um, but I do think that, you know, more game reps and more time together in actual game situations is going to be beneficial for this group because there are some talented players in this backcourt. You, know, you look at a guy like Noah Fernandes, um, Jermichael Davis, I think, is going to have a, a, a really promising freshman year. And, and you saw some of the quickness on display there from him um, and Gavin Griffiths, too, um, you know quiet night to start his college career. But I do think he's going to have some really impactful games on the offensive end. Um, so I, I do think the potential is there to improve the season goes on, but you're right, Bobby, uh, Rutgers losing a lot, not just in terms of talent, but just, you know, experience, uh, I, I guess you could call it institutional knowledge. And, and I think the big question mark for Rutgers heading into the thick of the non-conference is how do the Scarlet Knights uh, adapt to that over the course? And we're going to have now uh, a game on Friday night against uh, Boston university. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see. Does Rutgers come out strong in that one? much weaker opponent compared to Princeton, I think that's going to be the real thing to watch. If they struggle against Boston, there's problems, but I don't think they will. You know, every oh, yeah. time uh, Steve Peichel is is faced with the challenge, he finds a way to, to kind of rally his troops. And I don't think this is the most talented team he's had, but I, I do think he will get this team to progress. I don't see the ceiling as being an NCAA tournament team, but I think he'll he'll pull some games out when when people don't give him a chance, and you know that, that's kind of the Pike way. You know, he just kind of finds a way to, to to get things done. You know, if you can get Mawat Bag back, it'll be huge because you know Andre Hyatt came out and was not very effective in the opener. Um, you know, and like I said, the guards. I mean, you can't expect these guards to be those guards that were here before. It's just it's not going to be the same thing. So. Um, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. It should be fun to watch. But and also, Chris, I think the development's important for next season because you bring all those those young guys in. You bring Jeremiah Williams, you know, um, hopefully that's the plan. You know, no, no telling what's going to what's going to happen with his eligibility. But 
the plan is to have him there with, with these freshmen and then have these guys, you know, your your Gavin Griffiths, your Jermichael Davis, your Antoine Wolf folks, and we'll want Mag back, you know, to, to have these guys developed in a year better. And, you know, that could be the scary thing. So th- this is kind of, a, I would say, a, a, you know, I, I don't even know what you call because it's not really a rebuilding year. It's kind of just a, a work in progress year, a developmental year. Can we call it that? But um, it should still be a fun ride along the way. I would say transition year would be the best way to describe it because mm-hmm. look, I, I I said before, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this team can ultimately get its way into the NCAA tournament. It's not going to be easy, I, I think, but I do think the potential is there uh, for this team to reach that mark or at least come close enough to it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a rebuilding year or a down year. I think a transition year is appropriate. You're sort of seeing that torch being passed um, from the old guard of you know uh, the uh, Kellen McConnells and the Paul Mulcahy's. Um, to the new guard, which is, you know, partially, you know, guys like Gavin Griffiths who are already on the roster, but also this recruiting class coming in moving forward. So um, I, I, I'm not by any means uh, waving the white flag for Rutgers uh, by any means. It's only one game at the end of the day. But I do think there are going to be some transitional challenges and growing pains. And I'm curious to see how Rutgers responds. Uh, so I think that's going to be the key. And I think, you know, being back at Jersey Mike's Arena, uh, you know, friendly confines, uh, you know, players are, are comfortable there. Fans are comfortable there. You know, it's a it's a good environment to sort of have a get right game or get right stretch. And I think that's going to be beneficial for this Rutgers team that's trying to find its footing. Yeah. And, and that, like I said, that's probably going to be an ongoing theme because, I mean, this isn't a team that made the NCAA tournament last year and they lost, you know, three key players, big players. So. To, 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 to put them on there this year, you know, things are really going to have to go right. So I, I'm more on the, 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 the opinion that this is just kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say a throwaway year, you know, it, like I said, it, it'll be a nice year for development of the guys, but I'm, I'm not calling them an NCAA tournament team this year. And um, I, I do think though, that the faster they can get Mawat Mag back and get him acclimated and get him playing like he was last year. Now it's it, keep in mind, you know, it, it, he was he tore that ACL February 7th last year. So it's not even a, close to a full year. So being back and being back to what he was are two different things. And, and you know, for Rutgers sake, I hope, you know, he he does return to the form he did, you know, and, and you want to see that too. good kid, hard worker. It was just an unfortunate injury, but he's going to be vital to this team's success this season, Chris. Yeah, definitely. And I think the question, like you said, Bobby, is not so much. You know, when exactly does he come back? Because, you know, when he comes back, I think you're going to see him play a pretty limited role. But when does he come back to being Mawat Mag? Uh, you know, the Mawat Mag that was a big part of why Rutgers was off to such a strong start last year. And I, I do think that, you know, Rutgers could get a good chunk of Mawat Mag at that level, but it's not going to happen right away. And, and I do think uh, having this earlier stretch for him to, you know, at some point get acclimated back into the swing of things is going to be beneficial for Rutgers because it gives them the opportunity uh, to to allow him to do that without feeling the pressure of, oh, we got to get Mawat Mag back to full, full right away. Not that Rutgers doesn't mm-hmm. want that anyway, but it gives a little bit more breathing room, I think, for Rutgers to uh, um, sort of navigate life without him and sort of work his way back in. And I think that in the long term, that's going to benefit Rutgers. Yeah, and, and he's he's much needed. Guard play is going to need to be improved. Somebody's going to have to step up and be more consistent back there. So um, these are the things you're going to watch for in these early season games. And and like I said, it, it's fortunate that they scheduled some of these cupcakes early so that they can kind of work out the kinks because once the Big Ten season starts, um, it's not going to be very forgiving. So, um, 
you know, it'll be an interesting ride, a different type of year than what fans are used to. But it, I think it'll be an interesting and, and intriguing one uh, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. And uh, plenty of basketball coming up. And, uh, of course, football with uh, three games left in the season, starting with Iowa this weekend. As a reminder, complete coverage of everything involving the Scarlet Knights is right here on ScarletNation.com. Uh, you can check out our content and you can also interact with Bobby, myself, Brian Doan and the rest of the 24-7 sports team on the message boards. Uh, and be sure to stay here as we keep you updated through the busy stretch of Rutgers Athletics. Uh, that does it for us here on this episode of the Scarlet Nation podcast. For Bobby Darren, this is Chris Kona saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.